magnify the Lord together in this place. Lord, we love you and thank you for this gathering of your people. We thank you for this opportunity to receive from your good word. We give you all praise and glory. We ask, Lord, that you will bless this time of looking into the word of God to receive direction, to receive encouragement, even correction. Lord, that we can live for you and thrive in the Holy Ghost. We give you praise. We give you glory. We give you honor. In Jesus' precious name we pray. And everybody said amen and amen. We're thankful to the Lord today that you are joining in. And uh, we're going to have a good time looking into the word of the Lord. And we want you just to continue to seek the face of God. Continue to to, uh, search after his precious spirit. Uh, We're going to continue our series called The Miracles of Jesus. Uh, Our second lesson is tonight, a couple of weeks ago, we uh, began this series on the miracles of Jesus and we talked specifically about the blind seeing, when the blind see. Tonight we're going to go um, a step further and uh, no pun intended because we're going to be talking about the lame walking, we're going to go a step further. Uh, Luke chapter uh, 7 helps us to understand the power of Jesus to perform the the miraculous. John chapter, or Luke chapter 7 and verse 19, John calling unto him two of his disciples sent them to Jesus saying, Art thou he that should come, or look we for another? When the men were come unto him, they said, John Baptist hath sent us unto thee, saying, Art thou he that should come, or look we for another? And in that same hour, Jesus cured many of their infirmities and plagues. He has power over the plagues and of evil spirits. And unto many that were blind, he gave sight. Then Jesus answering said unto them, Go your way and tell John what things ye have seen and heard, how that the blind see, the lame walk, the lepers are cleansed, The deaf hear, the dead are raised, to the poor the gospel is preached, and blessed is he whosoever shall not be offended in me. Last time we spoke about the miracles of Jesus, we talked about when the blind see. Tonight we're going to talk about when the lame walk. Now we're going to deal both with the the very emphatic reality that Jesus can heal physical sickness. I think that's important today that we remember not only to believe that but to declare that and to practice that, that Jesus has the power to perform the miraculous. You know this season of our lives that has put us right in the middle of a a pandemic How many are getting tired of that word? But that's been around now for several months. And it's not something that we have had to deal with in our lifetimes on this scale. This is unprecedented territory for our lifetimes. But I want you to know that Jesus Christ has power over every sickness. He healed all manner of diseases in the word of the Lord. And not only did he do it in the word of the Lord, but he does it even today. Even in the midst of this pandemic. Yes, we have seen great 
struggle and great trial and great sickness. We've even seen people who passed away. But we've also seen dramatic miracles. We've also seen dramatic healings. We've seen people come back from the very door of death triumphant, walking in the victory that God has given them. Don't ever allow the negativity that surrounds us in this world prevent you from seeing the power of God that is at work. It is the devil's business to try to prevent us from seeing what the Lord will do. Now, we've seen an uptick in cases. Let's pray this virus away. We've been praying. Let's pray fervently for God to just remove this pestilence from our land. In the name of Jesus Christ, let us pray in faith believing, nothing wavering, that the Lord will remove this scourge, remove this plague, hallelujah, and heal those that have been afflicted and deliver those that have been in bondage. And we believe in God for that very miracle in Jesus' name. If you believe it, would you give him praise right where you are? I love you, Lord. I praise you, Lord. I thank you, Jesus, for your goodness and your grace, for your power to heal. Stretch forth thine hand to heal, Lord, we pray, in the name of Jesus Christ. Hallelujah. And Jesus is, is confronted. I'll say confronted. That may not be the best word, but he was certainly asked by the disciples of John the Baptist, are you he or should we look for another? Jesus' response to them is so interesting to us because he said, go your way and tell John what things you have seen and heard, how that the blind see, how that the lame walk, how that the lepers are cleansed, how that the deaf hear, how that the dead are raised to the poor, the gospel is preached, and blessed is he whosoever shall not be offended in me. Do you know, I have personally, with my own natural eyes, have been blessed by the Lord to see the blind receive their sight. I've seen the lame walk. I have seen the deaf hear. I've seen the dead raised. And I've seen the poor have the gospel preached to them. Now, lepers are not in, as in plenty of supply in 2020 as they once were in America. And so I have not seen that particular miracle, but in other nations where there are more lepers, we have received glorious reports of the lepers that have been healed. And we give God all the praise for these miracles. He is a miracle-working God. And so Jesus lets them know, tell John of the miracles. Let him know about the miracles. And today we're going to talk about the lame walking. Now, I want you to know that Jesus did not just come to perform the natural miracle. But Jesus came to perform both the natural and the spiritual miracle. As a matter of fact, he's even more focused on the spiritual than he is the natural. At one point he said, do not fear he who can destroy your body, but fear he who can destroy both your body and your soul in hell. He was explaining to them that you don't need to worry about what can happen in this world to our body as much as you need to be concerned about your soul's condition because it is the soul that lives forever. And so God came as Jesus Christ to seek and to save that which was lost. So yes, he healed the sick. Yes, he opened the eyes of the blind. Yes, he cleansed the lepers and he opened the ears of the deaf. But Jesus came 
to perform the spiritual miracle of salvation and redemption from sin. So not only are we talking about the fact that the Lord of glory can heal the lame condition of your body, but the Lord of glory can heal the lame condition of your soul. And there are instances in the word of the Lord where Jesus performed miracles of healing those that are lame. But not only did he perform miracles of healing those that are lame, but he gave us principles by which we understand how he can heal the very thing inside of us that prevents us from walking as we should walk. You do know that this whole thing is about walking with God. We are to walk with the Lord. Amen. So I want to, I want to talk about the natural. But I, want, I very much want to shift it to the spiritual. Because if you're not able to walk with him on a spiritual level, then the natural miracle will do you no good. Because the natural miracle will be short-lived, but that which is done of a spiritual nature is everlasting. I love what the old song says when it says, only what you do for Christ will last. Because it is of an everlasting nature what the Lord does in our life spiritually. So I want to talk to you a little bit about these things. John chapter 5. We find Jesus at a pool called uh, Bethesda. And when he is there at this, at this uh, pool called Bethesda, having five porches, the Bible says in verse 1, there was a feast of the Jews. Jesus went up to Jerusalem. There is at Jerusalem by the sheep market a pool, which is called in the Hebrew tongue, Bethesda having five porches. I've been there to Bethesda. I've seen where this story unfolds. In these lay a great multitude of impotent folk, blind, halt, withered, waiting for the moving of the water. For an angel went down at a certain season into the pool and troubled the water. Whosoever then first, after the troubling of the water, stepped in, was made whole of whatsoever disease he had, a certain man was there, which had an infirmity thirty and eight years. When Jesus saw him lie, and knew that he had been now a long time in that case, he saith unto him, Wilt thou be made whole? The impotent man answered him, Sir, I have no man when the water is troubled to put me into the pool, but while I'm coming, another steppeth down before me. Jesus saith unto him, Rise, take up thy bed and walk. And immediately the man was made whole, took up his bed and walked, and on the same day was the Sabbath. Now I want to just pause there, and I want to observe the natural miracle that occurred. This man was for 38 years in a crippled condition. 38 years. Listen, I don't know how long you've been in the predicament you find yourself. But it is never too late for the Lord to perform a miracle in your life. Never is it too late. If it's been 38 years, 8 years, 30 years, however long, the Lord can perform a miracle in your life and he can do it right now. This man had been sitting there for 38 years. For 38 years, he watched people suffer and die. For 38 years, he watched people miss out on their miracle. And for 38 years, he saw, if you'll pardon the expression, the lucky ones get into the pool at the time of the troubling of the water. And he 
before he could gather himself, create enough momentum, shift his body weight in just the right direction, and put himself in that pool, someone else would get ahead of him. And I know a lot of people who feel that way, who feel like there's just no hope because they missed their opportunity over and over again. If you feel that way, then this word is for you. If you feel like you missed the moment, you missed the mark, you missed the opportunity, just when you were about to have your big break, somebody else gets in your way, and the season of the troubling of the water was over for you. Listen, that's all prior to Jesus showing up on the scene. See, what changes in this story is Jesus. Jesus is what makes this story different than any other day. For 38 years, this man was unable to experience the miracle in his life. But then Jesus steps into the picture. And when Jesus steps into the picture, everything changes. Before Jesus was there, this man had to wait for an angel to come down at a certain season. Before Jesus entered the picture, this man had to wait for the water to be troubled. Before Jesus entered the picture, if this man got bypassed by another individual who got in the water first, then it was his tough Tough luck. He would have to go back into his lame condition. And that person that got ahead of him could go free from their disease. But when Jesus stepped into the picture, everything changed. And here's my message to you on this particular moment. Jesus is in this picture. Jesus has come. That's the difference between your situation and anybody else's situation. Never Measure your circumstances by what other people have experienced. Even if they're children of God, don't measure your circumstances by what they have experienced. It is easy to look around you and say, well, they experienced this, so I'm probably going to have to experience that. If you do, so be it. Trust in the Lord. But you have every reason and every right to believe for the miracle of God for your life. You have every reason and right to claim the miracle of God for your life. You don't have to think you're better than anybody. You don't have to think you're superior to anybody. But you also don't have to think you're inferior to anybody. And you can lay claim to every promise that is in this word from the Lord. And Jesus looked at that man and asked him, will you be made whole? Will you be made whole? And the man didn't really answer the question his answer was not a yes or no answer he said I don't have anybody to help me and every time the water is troubled somebody steps in front of me because I don't have anybody to help me get into the pool and Jesus said unto him rise take up thy bed and walk I love this miracle because it was an infirmity that the man had the Bible doesn't even tell us what it was that caused his lame condition. It was merely an infirmity. It was a weakness. Whether it was in his legs, we don't know. Whether it was in his spine, we don't know. Whether it was in his nervous system, we don't know. We don't know where it was. It was an infirmity. We don't have to know. God knows. And the Lord said, rise, take up your bed and walk. I have met people and I've even had experiences in my own life Where there can be such a blow, there can be such a circumstance to develop that it can make it hard. Now I'm shifting to the spiritual. It can make it hard for you to walk with God. 
it can make it hard for you to put one foot in front of the other and walk with the Lord. And you feel like, well, the season's got to be right. And I need angels down here troubling the waters. And, and, and somebody always gets in front of me. And, I, and you just find it hard to walk with God. I want you to know Jesus has changed everything. And because he's changed everything, you can trust that he will change these circumstances on your behalf. And deliver you. Oh, hallelujah. Glory to God. Deliver you from the condition that has, has left you lame by the pool, watching others suffer and some being delivered. So don't wait for the right season. Understand the season is here. The season is here. Now we'll go through seasons in life, no question. But the season of the miraculous is here. The season of deliverance is here. Jesus, oh hallelujah. I feel the Holy Ghost and I need to tell somebody today, Jesus has come that you might have life. And in case you don't fully understand what he means, he goes on to say, and that you might have it more abundantly. No, we're not defeated. No, we're not going to sit off to the sideline and create all of these reasons why we can't get up and walk with God. Well, this circumstance isn't right. And they mistreated me. And, 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 and I've been hurt and all of these problems and nobody will help me get into the pool. And somebody always gets in front of me. We do that a lot. We create a lot of excuses. Jesus is here. And when Jesus shows up, our excuses go out the window. I felt like I touched on something in the Holy Ghost there. When Jesus shows up, and if you know Jesus is here, all of your excuses, all of my excuses, they are out the window because he gives us power. Power over what cripples us. Power over what disables us. Power over what prevents us from walking with the Lord. And it is important that you and I walk with the Lord. The first reference to the word walking in the Bible is a reference to the voice of God. Walking in the Garden of Eden. Walking in the cool of the day. The voice of God was walking. That's an important thing to understand. That it is the voice of God that walks and the voice of God, that's how the voice of God moves and how the voice of God travels. The voice of God walks. If you want to hear him, you have to walk with him. He said, take up your cross and follow me. Follow me meant walk with me. He said, if two don't agree, how can they walk together? Because walking is so important. You know, we don't do as much walking as we used to. Now we have to intentionally walk. We have to walk on sidewalks and we have to walk on trails because to go places, we don't walk. We drive. And we shut ourselves in. We slam our doors, roll our windows up, turn our radio on or, or, or our iTunes or whatever it is. We turn it on. And we just stay in our own little lane and in our own little world and we go where we're trying to go. But in these days, everybody walked. Everybody was open and exposed and were rubbing shoulders and talking to people as they passed. Sometimes our windows and our doors and our radio programs, they cut out so many people from our lives that we need to be interacting with. Walking is an important part of serving God. Walking with God. In a spiritual sense, we do the same thing. 
We roll up our windows. We close our spiritual doors. We shut ourselves into our own little vehicles of transportation. And we go where we want to go. And we stop walking with God. We don't talk a lot about pathways anymore, do we? We talk about highways, interstate systems. We don't really talk about the well-worn path of where the foot falls. But when you're going to serve God, you're not going to get somewhere going 75 miles an hour. You're going to get somewhere by walking with Him. How do you walk with Him? Every single day, deliberately getting up and walking with Him. Talking with Him. See, that's how you hear God. The old song in the garden says it this way. I come to the garden alone while the dew is still on the roses. And the voice I hear falling on my ear, the Son of God discloses and He walks with me. And He talks with me. And He tells me that I am His own. That's where I hear His voice is in walking with Him every, every single day. That's what God wants. See, we all want, it gets tedious to walk. I know. I don't walk places. I drive places. We want to put the pedal to the metal and get where we're going. And not even that is fast enough. We'll get on a plane and fly because we want to get there the faster the better. And, and that's all right in a natural sense. But when it comes to serving God, everything starts with a walk. Now, the walk will pick up pace. As a matter of fact, Isaiah 40 and 31 deals with that. And it says it this way. They that wait upon the Lord shall renew their strength. They shall mount up with wings as eagles. They shall run and not be weary, and they shall walk and not faint. It all starts with a walk. And the walking with God creates a rhythm in your life. Getting up every day. Thanking Him. The first word out of your mouth. Giving Him praise for waking you up this morning. Giving Him praise before your day begins. Praying for His hedge of protection around you and your family. Asking Him to guide your steps, order your steps, and, 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 and give you the direction that you need for the day. To go before you and to fight your battles. To season your, salt, your, your, your speech with, with grace and the salt of the earth. And to allow you to be His chosen vessel and ambassador for His great purpose and His great kingdom. I'm going to tell you, if you open your day like that, you're going to have a good day. Even if you have a bad one, it's going to be a good one. Because you'll be prepared for the task that you face. Hallelujah. It's called walking with the Lord. But the more that you do it, you, you develop a rhythm. It might be a little awkward at first, like a child trying to walk. It's, it's kind of out of balance and it's a little off, off kilter. And, and it's trying to figure out how all of these limbs work. And how balance works. But the more that you do it, you begin to pick up the pace. And one day leads to the next. And another to the next. And you're soon enough, you're walking. And you're walking deliberately. And you're walking with confidence. And the walk turns into a, a run. And you walk without fainting. You run without being weary. And the law of aerodynamics comes into effect. Because the faster you run, you were built to fly. And if you wait upon the Lord, you will mount up with wings as eagles. Hallelujah. And you will soar. 
Hallelujah. You will soar over the rudiments of this world. You will be above the fray. You will be on a highway called holiness. You will be a part of the Jerusalem which is above, that is the mother of us all. You will be setting your affections on things above, not on things on the earth, because you're walking that turns to running, that turns into soaring. Oh, hallelujah. That's why we've got to get to the root of the issue. What is it preventing you from walking with God? What is it? Is it this infirmity? In John chapter 5, it was an infirmity. It was a weakness. What weakness is preventing you from walking daily with God? What is the weakness? What is the temptation? What is the struggle? What is the weakness? What is the infirmity? I want to tell you something. Stop waiting for the perfect season. Stop making excuses for why the weakness has so much power over you and understand that Jesus is here to do a work in your life and he has a question for you. Wilt thou be made whole? Amen. Answer him. Answer him with a, Lord, I believe. And if you're having trouble believing him, answer, help thou mine unbelief. Hallelujah. Answer him. Lord, speak the word and my servant will be healed. Answer him, truth, Lord, but even the dogs eat from the crumbs that fall from the master's table. Answer him, hallelujah, in the affirmative, thou son of David, have mercy on me. Glory to God. So last time we talked about the blind seeing and how that that deals also with spiritual sight. And today we're talking about how that the lame can walk. And that deals with spiritual walking. Don't let weaknesses, spiritual infirmities prevent you from walking with God. You need to have an encounter with Jesus that will deal with the weakness in your life. Mark chapter 2, and we deal with this matter of a man, one of the most, one of the most famous miracles Jesus performed. And, and it happens in this in this village, Capernaum, I, I've been there to Capernaum. They call it Capernaum. It's the village of the prophet Nahum. And it's a small little village. And many of Jesus' miracles were performed there. Don't think that what you're doing is of no significance because it doesn't have a large audience. I'm telling you, performing a good work of God in one person's life has far-reaching eternal impact. He entered into Capernaum after seven days, and it was noise that he was in the house. Straightway many were gathered together in so much that there was no room to receive them, no, not so much as about the door. And he preached the word unto them. And they came unto him, bringing one sick of the palsy, which was born of four. And when they could not come nigh unto him for the press, they uncovered the roof where he was. And when they had broken it up, they let down the bed wherein the sick of the palsy lay. When Jesus saw their faith, the faith of those who picked up the man sick of the palsy, when he saw their faith, you know, faith is what produces the miracle. And, and I don't know, sometimes, I don't always know whose faith is required. If it's everybody's or if it's one person's, all I know is that faith can move mountains. And if, and if just one person has faith, something powerful can happen. And the Bible says when Jesus saw their faith, he said unto the sick of the palsy, Son, thy sins be forgiven thee. 
Now notice verse 6, and, and if we would have kept reading in John chapter 5, we would have experienced a similar scenario to develop as what is about to develop here. In John chapter 5, when that man was healed, he was immediately confronted by the religious, by those who rejected Jesus. Just as they did in our last Miracles of Jesus lesson, the man who was blind from his mother's womb. He was confronted by those who did not want to receive the miracle-working power of Jesus Christ. And his response to them, in John chapter 9, the blind man, his response was, I don't know who he is. I just know I was blind, but now I see. In John chapter 5, if we would have kept reading, we would have found a very similar exchange between the man who lay at the Bethesda pool and the religious folk, when they began to say, who is it that did this? And he said, I don't even know who he is. Later he found out it was Jesus, and he went and told them it was Jesus who healed me. This man, they tear off the roof, set him down in front of Jesus. Jesus said, thy sins be forgiven thee. Isn't that something? He was sick of the palsy, which means he was paralyzed. He was a paralytic. And, and that was his need, right? That's his need. His need is that he get up off of that bed and be able to walk. But Jesus didn't address his natural need right away. He addressed the spiritual condition of his soul. Son, thy sins be forgiven thee. See, God didn't heal him right away of what his immediate need was, physically speaking. He dealt with the internal need. And, and I want you to know that God will always deal with the internal need before he deals with the natural need. This is why we don't want to rush the miracles of God. And for the man in John 5, it was a 38-year-long need for a miracle. 38 years. And, and in this case, Jesus speaks to the internal issue. Son, thy sins be forgiven thee. If you're going through a, a crisis or a challenge in life that you want deliverance from, I want to challenge you to go to God right now in prayer. And say, Lord, I need you to deal with this happening on the inside of me. Whatever it is, Lord, that, that may need correction, may need adjustment, may need instruction. And, 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 and that can be in any one of us. In one place, the scripture says, cleanse thou me of secret faults. Stuff I don't even know exists in me. And, and it, it, can, it can be the smallest of things. I remember... A time when I was so surprised at something that was in me I didn't even know was there. And I was being complimented by someone and they were, they were describing uh, the goodness of God that they had observed uh, in, in, in some ministry efforts that I had done. I remembered the ministry efforts they were describing. I remembered the choices that were made. It was a miracle. It was a good thing. And when they began to describe it, they began to say, I remember when this happened and that happened and, and, and you did this and did that. And they were giving us such a nice compliment. But just when they were going to give the compliment to me, they gave glory to God. I was shocked. Here, I was all set up to get this beautiful, wonderful compliment. And they, they, they changed course and gave glory to God. And I, what was more shocking was how offended I felt. And I thought, oh my word, Lord, I didn't even know I had that inside of me. I was all set up to receive this nice, big, beautifully gift-wrapped compliment, and they shifted it and gave glory to God. 
and, and then my pride, I didn't even know pride was in there. And I was only notified that pride was in there because the pride started hurting. The pride started hurting. And I realized, oh my goodness, there's pride in me. I should be giving glory to God. Why am I trying to heap any glory on me? It was the Lord who did it all. And somewhere, somehow, my flesh started feeling like it had some involvement with this beautiful miracle God had done. And, and so we don't even know what's inside of us sometimes. But, but God knows what's inside of us. And he knows that, that it needs to be dealt with. Son, thy sins be forgiven thee. Now, there were certain of the scribes sitting there, and they were reasoning in their hearts. And they said, why doth this man thus speak blasphemies? They dare not say it, but they were thinking it. Who can forgive sins but God only? And immediately when Jesus perceived in his spirit that they so reasoned within themselves, he said unto them, why reason ye these things in your hearts? God knows what's in our hearts. He knows what's on the inside, and that's what he's going to deal with. Before he performs a natural miracle, he's going to deal with what's going on on the inside of us. So you got to get ready for that. If he hasn't performed the miracle that you feel is most pressing, it is because he's dealing with something internally. Let patience have her perfect work that you may be perfect and entire, wanting nothing. So you can actually get up off of that bed that has contained you and prevented you from walking with God and, and, and you can live victoriously for the Lord. So he says, whether is it easier to say to the sick of the palsy or the paralyzed, thy sins be forgiven thee, or to say, arise and take up thy bed and walk, but that ye may know that the Son of Man hath power on earth to forgive sins. Then he saith to the sick of the palsy, I say unto thee, Arise, take up thy bed, go thy way into thine house. And immediately he arose, took up the bed, went forth before them all, insomuch that they were all amazed and glorified God, saying, we never saw it on this fashion. The Lord can perform miracles that you've never seen in that particular fashion. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. And so it's a beautiful miracle that the Lord can do in your life, and he can give you power to walk with God, the power to walk with God. You know the battle at Jericho? The battle at Jericho, you know that great battle where all of the priests sounded those trumpets, and they all shouted with a loud voice, and the walls fell down flat, and they went into the city and took the city. Remember that great miracle? We talk a lot about the shout, but there was a lot more walking than there was shouting they shouted once they walked seven days and on the seventh day they walked like crazy they compassed the city seven times we like to shout but there's more power in the shout when there is a consistent walk that prefaces the shout hallelujah and so we walk with God, and when there is anything that is an impediment to our walking with God, we must deal with that thing. Amen. we got to walk with Him. And today, more than ever, we must walk with God. Today, more than ever. You know, you know it's been harder to get to Jesus these last couple months. Amen? 
been a little harder to get to him because we're used to just walking in and and here he is and he's speaking his word and he's given us his presence and we worship together, we sing together and we, we cry together and it's great. They ripped the roof off. Now if I start seeing little bits of wood and, and uh, ceiling crumble down through, I'll know what's going on. This isn't literal, but we got to tear the roof off sometimes. We got to get, get to where Jesus is. If I can't get to him under normal circumstances like I'm used to every Sunday morning and Wednesday night and Sunday night, if I can't do it just quite like that as we have seen these last three and a half months, it's been more challenging than normal. Hey, I'm going to get to him somehow. I'll call on him in the morning. I'll call on him in the evening. I'm going to get a hold of him. I'm going to open my Bible. I'm going down on my knees and I'm praying. I'm seeking the face of God. I'm going to weep. I'm going to weep. I'm going to weep until my soul shakes and I find God and I, I see him for myself. He ripped the roof off of that place and said, I must have power to walk this walk. Hallelujah. Glory to God. Glory to God. One of my favorite miracles of of the walking in the Bible that is recorded is found in Acts chapter 3. And this is a miracle that occurred in the ministry of Peter and John. And I want to pay, I want to bring this one up because we're talking about the miracles of Jesus. And here we're going to the book of Acts chapter 3 and talking about a miracle performed by Peter and John. It's still the miracles of Jesus. And they're happening right now. Today, in 2020, they're still the miracles of Jesus. Even though Jesus is not physically walking this earth, he is alive and well walking as the body of Christ through the earth. Acts chapter 3, Peter and John went up together into the temple at the hour of prayer, being the ninth hour. And a certain man lame from his mother's womb was carried, whom they laid daily at the gate of the temple, which is called Beautiful, to ask alms of them that entered into the temple. Who, seeing Peter and John about to go into the temple, asked an alms? I want you to notice a few things. One, he was lame from his mother's womb. All of his life, he was lame. He never knew a day of walking and some precious individual or individuals laid him daily at the gate of the temple which is called beautiful thank God for the precious saints of God who make sure there are people who can get to the temple to find the Lord these people laid him daily at the gate of the temple and it made all the difference in his life which is called beautiful, to ask alms of them that entered into the temple. Who, seeing Peter and John about to go into the temple, asked an alms? Peter, fastening his eyes upon him with John, said, Look on us. And he gave heed unto them, expecting to receive something of them. Then Peter said, and I, I just love this passage, ladies and gentlemen. I'll tell you that. There's so much power and there's so many principles of truth packed in it. Even the sense that Peter said, silver and gold have I none. By many, by many people's standards today, Peter would have been a failure because he didn't possess any silver or gold. And people would look at him as, well, what have you been doing all your life that you don't have any silver or gold to give somebody? And Peter said, I, I didn't live my life for silver or gold, and I don't have any silver and gold to give you. 
but such as I have. Oh, hallelujah. Thank God he didn't have any silver or gold. That didn't make him a failure. Thank God he didn't have it. You want to know why? Because he would have thrown that at the situation. And silver nor gold could bring the miracle that was needed. But such as I have, give I thee. In the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth. Ha! In the name of Jehovah Salvation Messiah of Nazareth. Rise up and walk. Now, he took him by the right hand and lifted him up. And verse 7 tells us something that is so interesting. We didn't know until verse 7 what the issue was in this man's body. Whether it was an infirmity, spinal, nervous, whatever it was, in his, in his upper leg, we had no idea. But verse 7, the Bible says, immediately his feet and ankle bones received strength. The Lord knows where the broken condition is that prevents us from walking with him. And if we will expect to receive something from him, and if we will have the power of the name of Jesus Christ. And can I, just, can I just remind you the power of his name? Don't ever forget the power of the name of Jesus Christ. We just baptized somebody in the precious name of Jesus Christ. Hallelujah. That name has power to wash away sins. That name has power to cast out every devil. That name has power over every sickness. That name has power and there is none other name under heaven given among men, whereby we must be saved. Thank you, Jesus. Hallelujah. In the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, rise up and walk. He took him by the right hand, lifted him up. All of this was Peter so far. The only thing the man did was expect to receive something. Peter fastened his eyes on him. Peter said, silver and gold have I none. Peter said, in the name of Jesus Christ, rise up and walk. Peter took him by the right hand. Peter lifted him up. All the man did was expect to receive something. You've got to expect it. You have to expect the Lord to do what he said he's going to do. And when Peter lifted him up, immediately his feet and his ankle bones received strength and he leaping up, stood, and whoo, walked. And notice where he walked. He entered with them into the temple, walking, leaping, praising God. Notice that progression. It starts with walking. It turns to leaping. And then it becomes praising God. And do you know what I love about verse 9? And all the people saw him walking, and all the people saw him praising God. And they knew that it was he which sat for alms at the beautiful gate of the temple. They were filled with wonder. They were filled with amazement at that which had happened unto him. And as the lame man which was healed held Peter and John, all the people ran together. Unto them in the porch, that is Solomon's greatly wondering. And this set the stage for Peter to preach a great gospel message to all who simply saw the lame man walking and praising God. I'm going to tell you something. 
If you'll let the Lord to do a work, if you'll let him do a work in your life, and you'll start walking where you once had been lame, and you'll start praising where you once had been living in shame, there will be so many people around you who will run to the temple. Hallelujah. They will run together to the temple in great wonder at what the Lord has done in your life. Jesus came to make the lame to walk. Hallelujah. You know, as soon as the Bible opens up in the book of Genesis, one of the most unique characters who doesn't get a lot of, doesn't get a lot of uh, mention, if you please, but enough is said about him that we get a really clear picture of the most important parts of his life. He is the first man in the Bible. The Bible says that he simply walked with God and was not, for God took him. He was translated that he should not see death, the writer of Hebrews says. He literally was translated because God didn't want him to see death. And then he said he had this testimony that he pleased God. If you want to do something great for God, I want you to start right here. Walk with him. Walk with him. See, it's in walking with him that you learn what to do next. It's in walking with him where he'll, he'll put bread and fish in your hands and say, go feed the multitudes. It's in walking with him that he will proceed to empower you to go out into all the villages and preach the gospel and do great works. We many times try to do great things without walking with him in a daily, practical, pragmatic walk with God. God wants to heal you of whatever it is preventing you from walking with him so that you can put one foot in front of the other and walk till the walls come down and walk into the temple, sending others running, greatly wondering. Hallelujah. He wants you to take up your bed, that thing that has confined you and contained you for so long. And he wants you to walk, walk, walk. What doth the Lord require but to love mercy, to do justly, and walk? Humbly before thy God. You want to do something great for God? Walk with him. And if something's preventing you from that, God wants to heal that in you today. Could you just lift your hands where you are? Say, Lord, I receive your word. I want you to perform your miracle in my life. Help me, I pray in Jesus' name. Oh, God, to walk with you, to walk with you, to walk with you. Help me in Jesus' name to live for you, to live for you, to live for you. Help me to serve you, serve you. Lord, if there's any unforgiveness, if there's any pride, if there's any bitterness, if there's any root of bitterness inside of me preventing me from walking consistently with you, Lord, take it out of me in Jesus' name. If there's any lust of the flesh, if there's any pride of life, is there, if, there's any, if there's any envy, if there's any hatred or malice, Lord, remove it from me, I pray, in the name of Jesus. And let me walk with you. Just to walk with you means everything to me. Hallelujah, just to know you're near. Your hand is leading me. Though this world pass me by, go their way and let me be. Just to walk with you means everything to me. 
Hallelujah. Lord, we love you. We praise you. Lord, we pray in the name of Jesus that you bring comfort to every individual that is listening to this lesson tonight. I pray that you will minister healing to them. I pray you'll heal their mind, heal their spirit, heal their body in Jesus' name. I pray you'll give peace. I pray, Lord, that you will give comfort. Because, Lord, we feel you leading us out of these difficult times. Glory to God. If you're walking with him, you know it's right. I said, if you're walking with him, you know it's right. Lord, we feel you leading us, hallelujah, out of these challenging times. And we give you all the praise and the glory in the name of Jesus. I wonder if we could just give him praise right now, magnifying his holy name, for he is worthy to be praised. Hallelujah. From the rising of the sun to the going down of the same, his name is to be praised. I worship you. I love you. I give you all glory. I give you all honor, O oh Lord. I magnify the name of Jesus. In the precious name of the Lord, we pray. Hallelujah. Go in strength. Go in encouragement. Go in the love of God. And walk with Him. Walk with Him. And you'll never regret it all the days of your life. God bless you. We'll see you Sunday. In Jesus' name.